this week's episode of the fantasy fanatics podcast i'm your host once again james and i'm joined once again by nate what's up man so all right in today's episode uh, we're going to recap the rest of the nfl draft i know we touched on round one on last week's episode we'll get through some of our favorite picks and some of our maybe least favorite picks and i guess some of the other picks from rounds two to seven i'll go through that and we'll, we'll sort of talk about that Then we'll head over to the NBA where we'll take a look at what's going on in the NBA playoffs, sort of, I guess, give our thoughts on who we like for upcoming games. And we'll do the same thing for the NHL playoffs, which are also underway. Um, And we'll do that to sort of close out the podcast. So, yeah, let's just get right into it. Let's start with the NFL. The NFL draft is done. Um, Yeah, so it was a wild ride, lots of picks, lots of trades. I know we talked about some of that stuff uh, in round one, but now we'll get to round two. Um, I guess I'll start with you. Um, Give me your steal from round two. Give me a guy that you maybe thought they reached for the team really didn't need to draft that player. And then I guess give me, uh, I guess, if there were any draft picks from your team, the Cleveland Browns. Sure. So I guess I'll start off with the steal. I'll put Christian Watson on. I guess this is going to be kind of a continuation of um, round one. I believe Green Bay didn't decided not to go for a wide receiver. So the question was, were they going to have adequate help um, in the Rodgers? So um, they decided to go with Christian Watson, who is projected to be drafted in the first round. Um, a uh, really talented wide receiver as well. So I think that adequately answers the question. So I think this is a good steal for the draft. And I put David um, Ojabo from the Ravens as a possible reach, not because he's not talented. He's really talented. It's just that he's currently injured by the time, at the time he was drafted, if I remember correctly. So um, it's a bit of a risk he could end up um, not necessarily working out but if it does work out he'll, he'll definitely help the Ravens for sure so yeah I guess there's some risk there and for the Browns I don't think there were any picks there all right so um yeah I'll get to um my steal uh, my reach and uh my team the Patriots what they did in round two so I'll, for steal I'll start with Brees Hall running back taken by the Jets. I mean, this guy was projected to go late in the first round and he sort of fell uh, into the second round. Um, I mean, I think he's a great steal. I think it's great what they're doing, pairing him with a guy like Michael Carter that they already have um, there in New York. I mean, they've, they hit on most of their first round selections for the most part. And this was a great way to start the second round. The Jets look really strong um, in terms of reach. I put Wandale Robinson wide receiver uh, for the New York Giants. And um, I just feel like um, there were, you know, much better wide receivers they could have taken instead of him. And I mean, um, yeah, he only he's only projected to be like sort of a slot receiver, maybe wide receiver three, that type of thing. Plus, they already have guys like Kenny Galladay um, and 
and many others on their roster, um, like Kadarius Tony and other young guys that they drafted last year. So I felt like this wasn't really a need for the Giants. I felt like they could have gone in another direction, but I guess that's my opinion. And then I guess for the Patriots, they took wide receiver Tyquan Thornton. I know this was a big discussion about whether uh, like some people felt it was a bit of a reach. Some people felt it was a steal considering he was the fastest wide receiver in the draft. Honestly, I think they'll make good use of him. Um, definitely a speedster is always great when it comes to creating mismatches on the defense. So I'm sort of happy with the Patriots for doing that. And then, yeah, I guess, I guess we'll get to round three um, and now I'll get to you for, for your draft picks. So I guess for round three, um, my steal, I decided to pick Jalen Tolbert for this, a steal of round three. Um, he was, I think, projected to be drafted either in round two or in round three. So I think he, at the position that Dallas drafted him, I think that's pretty good value. And I put uh, Jelani uh, Woods as a reach for the Colts mainly because I feel like they drafted him too high, and I don't think that tight end is necessarily for the Colts. So um, it looks like he's going to be a depth piece, at least for now, but I feel like maybe they could have drafted him a little bit later, even though he is um, really talented. And I guess the uh, Browns picks were Martin Emerson, Alex Wright, and David Bell. Um, I'm not really too sure about them. I don't think they're they're bad. They should be able to help the Browns out. So, yeah, that's my thing. All right. And I guess I will get to my steal of round three, and I believe that's quarterback Malik Willis, uh, drafted by the Tennessee Titans. I mean, people are projecting him to go as high as second overall in the draft. The fact that he fell to the third round, uh, I mean, with all of his athletic ability, I mean, yeah, this could be end up being a steal. This could be like another one of these big-time quarterbacks in the league, um, I guess, considering all of his physical traits and everything. So, yeah, I really like this pick by Tennessee. They waited it out and they got him in round three. That's pretty impressive. Um, the reach I put uh, was JT Woods, safety taken by the LA Chargers. I think that he's an excellent player. I just didn't feel like it was a position of need for them, considering they shored up their secondary um, they have guys like Derwin James. They drafted Asante Samuel last year. Uh, they have uh, a guy uh, like J.C. Jackson coming in. I mean, there's many other positions that the Chargers could have addressed. So I just feel like that maybe they didn't need to take the pick. Um, and then as for the Patriots, they drafted corner Marcus Jones. Uh, we know the Patriots needed to draft a corner to replace J.C. Jackson. So this was pretty much just a routine pick for them. I'm not going to judge them on it. I think that he is a good player. And I think that, um, yeah, he's just going to sort of fit right in and sort of develop in this defensive system. So, um, yeah, that's it for round three. Now I'll get to you for round four in your picks. So I guess for round four, um, I'll go start but start off with this deal. Um, I think uh, Cade Otten is possible steal for the Bucks in round four. Um, it does depend on if I guess Gronk is coming back or not, but if he's um, not, it's definitely going to help out the Buccaneers. And I put a Caleb Evans um, as a possible reach for the Vikings. Um, mainly because I felt like they should have 
gone for a little bit more depth on offense. Um, first, I think the Vikings, they uh, waited quite a bit to start picking some um, players on offense, so that's the only reason why I thought that was a reach. And the Browns, they took Perry uh, on Winfrey, which um, I like. He's a defensive tackle. He looks like he's uh, pretty good, but they also drafted Kate York. I think uh, Kate York is supposed to be a really talented um, either a punter or a kicker, if I remember correctly. Um, but even with that, I feel like um, hunters or kickers shouldn't be drafted. I guess at round four, maybe a little bit um, later than that, because you could uh, get other players um, in earlier rounds and in, in later rounds, maybe you could go for a punter or a kicker. But I feel like round four is a little bit too high still. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think Evan McPherson was drafted in round four last year, but he's pretty much a generational talent when it comes to the kicking position. Um, I feel like that, yeah, uh, if you're not uh, at that level, you should be drafted a little bit deeper. Definitely agree. Um, and then, yeah, I'll get to my steal of round four, and that is Kobe Bryant. Not the late Kobe Bryant, but um, the corner uh, drafted by the Seahawks. Um, yeah, he, he should be really solid for them. We know that the Seahawks have had holes in their secondary, so he just fits right in. He comes out of Cincinnati. He played with first-round corner Sauce Gardner, so we know that he uh, had to cover some top receivers from Alabama as well. So he's played against top-level competition, and yeah, I definitely think he'll be solid for the Seahawks. Um, for reach, I put uh, Isaiah Likely um, tight end who went to the Baltimore Ravens. Um, I believe they took two tight ends in that same round, and this was the second of the two. Um, I feel like that they could have went in another direction. They didn't need to double up considering they already have Mark Andrews and Nick Boyle on the roster. So the chances that one of these guys is probably not going to play is that probably the reason why they should address some other areas considering like their offensive line was banged up. Their secondary was banged up. They have a lot of uh, their, their running backs. They all like had torn ACLs and stuff. I know they did draft running backs, but yeah, I definitely think that they didn't need to take two tight ends in the same round. And then as for the Patriots, three picks in round four, uh, Jack Jones corner, Pierre Strong running back, and Bailey Zapp quarterback. Um, I guess Jack Jones, solid pick. Definitely need to draft a lot of players for the secondary to sort of shore that up as they like to rotate in a number of corners. So I understand the pick. Um, Pierre Strong, um, he's a solid running back. I know that they might not need uh, him right away, but uh, I'm not going to fault them for the pick since they have a running back committee. Usually every year they don't just rely on one back. So it does make sense. Bailey Zapp, it's a questionable pick. Um they really didn't need to take a quarterback in this draft, but considering that Brian Hoyer, Brian Hoyer might be considering retirement, and I guess Jared Stidham didn't fully develop the way they wanted to, this is maybe a chance of them getting a backup quarterback for Mac Jones. So uh, I'm not going to really call it a reach. I'm just going to say that, um, yeah, if he develops into a solid backup, then I'm not going to complain. So, um, yeah, let me get to you for round five. So for round five, uh, I'll start off with steel again. I really like um, Khalil Shakir, um, who was drafted by the Bills. I think um, he was projected as around four trapped, but the Bills, um, I guess, waited for Khalil to fall to them before 
symptom. So I think um, that's uh, definitely steal for that. And for Leach, I put Montreal, Washington for the Broncos. Um, I think Montreal, Washington, he's a pretty good wide receiver, but the uh, Broncos already have a lot of wide receivers. I guess just looking at the depth chart, they have Cortland Sutton, Tim Patrick, Jerry Judy. Um, they have a lot of wide receivers already, and I feel like they don't have enough at the at the line. Um, I think left and right guard is only three deep. Center is also three deep as of the end of the draft. So they probably could have gone for some more line instead. And I guess for the Browns picks, um, I think they ended up getting Jerome Ford. So I think it's um, an okay pick, but yeah, that's just my for sure. And uh, getting to my round five for steals, I have Micah McFadden, linebacker from Indiana that went to the Giants. Um, yeah, uh, considering that he was projected to go earlier than round five, I definitely think this is a steal. I know the Giants need to improve their run defense. So I think definitely a solid pick for them. For reach, I put Snoop Connor, running back who went to Jacksonville. I feel like Jacksonville has two solid running backs right now in James Robinson and Travis Etienne. So I just feel like this draft, like their depth chart's pretty deep when it comes to running back. I felt like that they could have used this pick on something else instead of taking another running back. And then, um, yeah, no picks in this round um, for the New England Patriots. So I guess I'm just going to get right back to you for round six. I guess, who do you have? Um, I guess for a steal, I put um, Bedarian Lowe for the Vikings. I guess it kind of uh, makes up for not uh, drafting enough um, offensive players because they let the Darien Lowe uh, fall to them in round five. So I'll count that as a steal or a reach. I'll put uh, James Houston as a reach for the Lions, mainly because I feel like they could have uh, gone for another position. And for the Browns, they drafted uh, Michael Woods the second. Um, I think that's an okay pick as well. All right. And I guess for round six, my steal um, is going to be Connor Hayward tight end for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And yeah, I mean, uh, his brother Cam Hayward currently plays for the team. Um, he has a lot of high praise for this draft pick. So I feel like Pittsburgh made a wise decision, especially if they want to play hard nose, running the ball, football, getting another tight end in there to block, I definitely think is a solid solution. And um, yeah, I guess for reach, I put uh, Matt uh, Ereza. Uh, he's a punter taken by the Buffalo Bills. I mean, I don't know whether... Uh, like the Bills should have taken a, a punter. I feel like they could have addressed another position, but um, yeah, just, uh, I, I just feel like it was a bit of a reach. And then um, as for the Patriots, they had three picks. They had Kevin Harris running back, Sam Roberts defensive tackle and Chase in Hines center. I feel like uh, Kevin Harris maybe shouldn't have been taken since they already have uh, another running back um, in Pierre strong in the earlier rounds, but um, the other two picks I really like, Sam Roberts, defensive tackle, definitely needed a uh, good run stopper, so hopefully he'll be that guy. And then uh, Jason Hines, backup center, you know David Andrews isn't going to play forever, so uh, yeah, uh, good pick there. And I guess I'll get to you for round seven. 
So for round seven, um, I'll start off with uh, Thayer Munford Jr. for the Raiders. Um, I think this was a steal considering he was projected to be drafted a lot earlier and they, uh, they basically fell all the way to the seventh round. And um, I think that's a lot of value that the Raiders got for him. And for Reach, I'll go for, I guess, Brock Purdy for the 49ers, mainly because I don't think it was necessary for the 49ers to draft another quarterback. So they probably could have gone for another position. And I guess for the two Browns picks, they got Isaiah Thomas and Dawson Key. Um, I don't really have too much of a Dawson Keaton, he's going to fill out the roster at center, so he's definitely going to bring some depth there, so I think that's pretty good, and I guess you can always use another edge rusher in Isaiah Thomas, so yeah, I kind of like those picks. Yeah, speaking of NBA names, we had Kobe Bryant, we had Isaiah Thomas, and my round seven steal is Chris Paul, uh, the guard taken by Washington, but in all seriousness, I think he is a steal. Um, I think he's going to be really solid. Uh, they got a lot of good value for him in the seventh round. Um, definitely uh, a solid pick there. Um, the reach, I had uh, Derek Young, wide receiver, taken by the Seattle Seahawks. Um, I, I just feel like that they don't have a really huge need at wide receiver. Um, I feel like, I mean, they already took one earlier in the seventh round, and uh, that was Bo Melton. So for them to double up, I don't feel like was great considering they have a lot of other holes on their roster. So um, Seattle had a pretty good draft overall. This is just one of the picks that I felt like they reached for. And then the Patriots took Andrew Stuber, uh, offensive tackle. And I mean, just getting an, a solid offensive line has been one of the goals for the Patriots almost every year in the draft um, to sort of protect the investment they have in Mac Jones. So yeah, I definitely think it was a solid pick. And yeah. Um, pretty good draft overall. We got through round one analysis last episode. We got through rounds two to seven. I guess any last thoughts on, on the draft as a whole? Um, not really too many thoughts on the draft as a whole. I think that there's some uh, pretty decent talent in the first two rounds uh, this time around. But I think in terms of, I guess, drafting hunt, uh, hunters, I feel like Again, I feel like Kate York probably could have been taken a little bit later, but he could prove everybody wrong uh, with his potential talent. So we'll have to see. Yeah, and I'm surprised how late quarterbacks went. There was only one in round one, and the next one, uh, you know, they, they went in like, uh, I believe round three, they didn't go until I don't think I saw one in round two, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah, um, the quarterbacks went pretty late, which was surprising to me. Um, a lot of defensive players went early in the draft. Um, and yeah, I think it was a pretty good draft overall. Um, yeah, Cleveland obviously didn't have as many picks uh, as previous years, but I mean, they're almost a championship level team. So I guess, how do you feel they did overall? Well, I guess they pretty much did the best of what they had. They didn't really have um, first round pick second round pick either so they were uh, drafting in later rounds so it's a lot more difficult to find I guess really high quality players at those um, those rounds compared to the first or second round so 
think they they did pretty well considering. Yeah, and then I guess for me, for the Patriots, uh, they sort of went unconventional as they normally do. They took players that most teams probably didn't have as high up on their board. But we know that's something that the Patriots like to do when other teams zig. uh, Bill Belichick zags. He sort of plays 3D chess all the time. So, um, yeah, we'll have to see if if those picks turn out. But, yeah, I definitely think uh, it was a pretty good draft overall. All right, yeah, that's going to be the end of our draft recap and Fanatics football. So let's just jump into some big-time basketball. We have the NBA playoffs going on right now. Um, I guess we can start with the Eastern Conference, and we'll sort of take a look at each series here. Um, Yeah, it looks like Miami is up on the Philadelphia 76ers, the 1-4 series. Miami's up 1-0. Yeah, they won... On Monday night, 106 to 92, uh, you had Tobias Harris leading the Sixers with 27 points, Tyler Hero leading Miami with 25. Uh, and then in terms of rebounds, Paul Reed led the Sixers with nine, and Bam Adebayo had 12 to lead Miami. And for assists, James Harden had five to lead Philly, and Tyler Hero had seven to lead Miami. Um, no Joel Embiid in this game, no Kyle Lowry in this game. I guess give me your thoughts on this result. Yeah, I feel like. Um, both teams are really deep, but uh, Miami is an especially deep team with um, really good players. I feel like um, Embiid has a lot of uh, impact for this team. And the team's pretty much built around Embiid first, so uh, when he's injured, the 76ers kind of win. Unfortunately, James Harden, he played against recently 16 points, but normally gets more points than that. So it's a little bit disappointing. He only shot two percent on three. So not necessarily his best game wasn't too bad, but hopefully they'll be able to finally bounce back. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um Speaking of bouncing back, the next game is scheduled for Wednesday. It looks like the Miami Heat are favored by eight and a half points. I assume that means Embiid is going to be out of the lineup again. I guess, do you see the Heat covering the spread, or do you think the Sixers can keep it close? Um, I think that um, without Embiid, we'll have to wait and see if it's going to be an adjustment. So if there's no no adjustment on the 76ers, time, 76ers side, then might be able to go yeah i'm kind of liking miami as well they're at home um they won double digits last game i think it's going to be more of the same so i think i would go with miami as well um we'll get to the two three series um that game just finished tuesday night um, and I believe the Boston Celtics beat the Milwaukee Bucks 109 to 86 to tie the series at one. Um, just getting to the stats here, Jalen Brown leading Boston with 30 points. Yanis Antetokounmpo at 28 to lead the Bucks. Al Horford led Boston with 11 rebounds, while Yanis had nine to lead the Bucks. Yanis also added seven assists to lead the Bucks, while Jason Tatum had eight to lead Boston. Um, series is tied here. I guess give me your thoughts on this. I'm really impressed because this is almost the opposite of um, last game. So uh, last game, the Bucks were able to win 101 to 89 against the Celtics, if I remember correctly. So this game, um, 
looks like it's about 109 to 86. So um, pretty uh, big swings uh, from both teams. And I guess I was expecting um, this to be a lot closer considering Giannis was playing really well in game one. Um, his range has really improved. His playmaking has improved. Um, his overall skill set has improved, but it looks like the Celtics found a way to kind of um, work around that. Giannis still ended up having um, really good production from the game, but it looks like outside of Drew Bobby Portis and Pat Connaughton, I guess the rest of the players, they kind of fell a little short. So I'm guessing uh, this could be, I guess they're missing Chris Middleton a little bit. So um, hopefully the Bucks bounce back from that. Yeah, hopefully they do bounce back. Uh, the next game is on Thursday. No spread for that. It's going to be in Milwaukee. I think the spread will be pretty close. So I guess picking a winner, who would you take to win game three? It's hard to say. I think that uh, for game three, I guess maybe since the Bucks are at home, maybe you can go with the Bucks. Yeah, I think at that point, um, they have to make some sort of adjustments to what happened in this game. I think I might lean with the Bucks as well, or unless it's a bigger spread lean with the team getting the plus points, because I think that that next game could be a lot closer than what we've seen so far. So that, that I definitely uh, think that. And then uh, let's get now to the Western Conference. Uh, we'll start with the 1-4 seed game. Um, and Sorry, the 1-4 series, and uh, that's Phoenix Suns against the Dallas Mavericks. The Suns are up in the series 1-0, uh, and that was a 121-114 win on Monday. Um I mean, Luka Doncic pretty much tried to do everything for Dallas. He led them with 45 points, led them with 12 rebounds and eight assists. Just couldn't get it done. Uh, DeAndre Ayton had 25 points to lead the Suns. Devin Booker, nine, nine rebounds and eight assists to lead Phoenix. Um, Suns looked really good. Um, yeah, I, I really like the way they're playing so far. I guess, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I really like the way they're playing as well. Um, I guess... The Suns were expected to be uh, one of the teams to beat, so um, I guess they're playing, I guess, pretty much up to their expectations. They're playing uh, really well right now. Um, Aiden Booker and Chris Paul all have really good production. Um, Johnson had good production as well. Um, Luka had a Herculean effort, 45-12 and 8, so I think that's really good as well, but I think it's going to come up to the rest of rest of the team to kind of help out. Yeah, I mean, the rest of the team has to help out, you're right. I don't even think Spencer did Dinwiddie had double-digit points last game. So, yeah, they they definitely need uh, some of that secondary scoring to come through for, for them if the Mavericks want to tie up the series. Well, heading into game two, it looks like the Suns are favored by six points at home. I would probably go with the Suns to cover the spread again, but I guess what are your thoughts? I guess just go with the Suns until um, Dallas uh, starts adjusting. Yeah, I mean, the Suns are a completely different team with Devin Booker healthy, as we've seen. Uh, they pretty much handled the Pelicans the moment he came back, and then they're doing the same to Dallas. So, yeah, this team's legit. They definitely are going to be really solid going forward. 
Um, and then getting to the last series in the West, it's the two, three series, the golden state, or sorry, the Memphis Grizzlies against the golden state warriors. The warriors are actually up in this series one zero. I believe they won by one point in game one game two is currently going on right now at the end of the third quarter. It is tied 77, 77. So, I mean, this game is as tight as it gets. Uh, we'll definitely have to see. Uh, who will take game two but i mean if memphis loses both home games do you think they're in trouble uh, in terms of potentially getting swept um i think they're in danger but i feel like each game has been really close so i think they should at least be able to push it to game five just on just because of how hard they're um, pushing the warriors so it should go to game five um hopefully it doesn't end up being a sweep because they're pushing the Warriors to the, to the limit every game, every game they face. So it'd be disappointing to see. So, yeah, hopefully they at least push the game five. Yeah, hopefully they come away with at least one win at home. So we'll see what happens in this game. Um, and then, yeah, I guess going forward, um, first game in Golden State will probably be on Thursday, if I'm not mistaken. I guess, uh, do you see Golden State um, winning at home or do you maybe see um, – Memphis covering the spread because they'll definitely be the plus on the spread. Um, depends depends how high the spread's going to be. I think the spread's been around um, two points for each of the games so far, so it's kind of hard to say. I guess uh, the Warriors, um, I guess, will probably win at least the first game at home, but. Yeah, I guess maybe just go with the Warriors to cover for now. Yeah, I'm kind of leaning towards the Warriors as well. Even if uh, Memphis does win this next game and tie the series, I think Golden State going back home is going to be huge for them. Um, as long as the spread isn't over like six or seven, I definitely think Golden State should be able to cover it at home. I mean, I, I like them to win this series uh, going in. So, um, yeah, I definitely think that they have been playing pretty solid. And I guess, yeah, that's pretty much an outlook uh, at what's going on in the NBA playoffs. I guess any last thoughts for you? Um, this playoffs has been um, really interesting. I think the games have been a lot more, um, this, I guess, a lot more physical this time around. So I guess for people who like to watch physical basketball, probably, I guess maybe they're enjoying it a little bit more. Um, it's great to see the improvement of a lot of the players, especially um, Giannis's improvement. Um, he was known mainly just for his athleticism, but he's really expanded his skill set, so it's going to be interesting to see how the series goes uh, Yeah, I definitely agree, and I guess it was great to see Boston bounce back, make it a series, because I feel like if Milwaukee goes up 2-0, um, going back home, I think that could be it, you know, so it's great to see Boston do that. And yeah, talking about physical, yeah, um, we'll now get to everything NHL and the NHL playoffs have been pretty physical. So, uh, Nate, I'll let you take that one. All right. And I guess for the playoffs, uh, we'll start off um, on the East and um, we'll talk about Florida versus the Washington Capitals for first and um, Give us your thoughts on the series so far. Yeah, um, game one was Tuesday night, and Washington gets the upset win. Uh, they win four to two. Um, I guess uh, let me take a look at who scored here. Yeah, Tom Wilson, Evgeny Kuznetsov, TJ Oshie, and Lars Eller all scored for Washington. 
So these were all guys on their Stanley Cup winning team from 2018. They have a lot of experience. They brought that into this matchup. As we know, Florida has not won a first round series since 1996. So they're looking to end that drought this year. Sam Bennett and Claude Giroux scored for them. Two recent acquisitions over this past year. But yeah, I guess Washington, they they looked like the better team here. Um yeah, I don't know what else to say. Florida, they, they've been scoring so many goals throughout the season, um, like six-plus goals almost every game, and then they come around and they only score two. Washington sort of tightens things up. I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see. I did like Washington heading into this game. I felt like they had good upset potential considering, yeah, they're one of the better road teams in the league. And, yeah, they got it done. So it'll be interesting to see how Florida responds for the next game. For sure. I guess uh, taking a look at the next game for Florida versus um, Washington, it looks like uh, it's going to be at Florida's home again. So uh, do you think Florida can get a win at their home? Yeah, I think they do because if they don't, I think this series is going to be done. Like uh, this is pretty much must win at this point for Florida. I think that they definitely bounce back. They've sort of, I guess, tasted what the, playoff hockey is like compared to the regular season for this year so i feel like maybe they're caught a bit by surprise so i think they definitely settle down next game and i think that they can definitely get the win for sure and i guess we'll move on to a game that i'm pretty sure you enjoyed watching um the series of the leafs against the lake uh give us your thoughts on that yeah monday night that was a crazy game toronto taking game one um, by a score of five, nothing against the defending Stanley cup champion, Tampa Bay lightning. I mean, like the Leafs, they set the tone right away. Uh, I know Kyle Clifford did get suspended for that hit, but it sort of got the team going after the penalty kill. You had Jake Muzzin score. Austin Matthews had two, uh, David camp had a shorthanded goal. And then Mitch Marner also scored to sort of end that drought in the playoffs that he had going over the past couple of years. So yeah, the Leafs, uh, they definitely looked a lot different than previous years. We'll definitely see how that translates into um, sort of the rest of the series. I guess as for Tampa Bay, uh, they sort of looked like they came out with cement in their skates. Uh, they, they just really weren't looking like the defending champion. They were getting outchanced by the Leafs. The Leafs looked like the faster team. They looked like the stronger team. And yeah, Jack Campbell looked like the better goalie. 24 save shutout for him. Uh, against Andre Vasilevsky, who is one of the better goalies in the league. So a great win for the Leafs. We'll definitely see how game two goes. Um, yeah, it was, a, it was a huge surprise for me how the Leafs beat Tampa in this game. And it's uh, really good that the Leafs uh, got their first win at home because I think their game two is going to be in Toronto again. So um, they have the chance to have, I guess, a two two game lead on Tampa Bay, but uh, do you think they'll get it? Yeah, looking at game two, it's definitely not going to be this wide open. I definitely think it will be a tighter game. Tampa Bay will sort of adjust because I mean, um, yeah, I, I think that they've, they've done a really good job doing that over the past couple of years to, over the championship run. So uh, the Leafs are definitely not going to have an easy matchup. I could see it pretty much going either way. Um, I assume Toronto will try and take it at home considering they have been consistently beating Tampa Bay at their home, but going into Tampa Bay is going to be more of a challenge since they haven't been as successful there. So yeah, I will take Toronto to win game two, 
Uh, I guess game three is probably going to be more of the question. But, um, yeah, with this new look that Toronto has, sort of playing a lot tougher, they're playing faster, they're sort of trying to set the tempo instead of sort of reacting to other teams. I definitely like what they've done so far. Sure. And I guess uh, moving on to the next series, we have Carolina versus Boston. And, uh, what are your thoughts so far? Yeah, this uh, game was not even close. I thought maybe Boston had a chance to sort of upset in game one, considering Freddie Anderson was not available to play in goal for Carolina, but they won either way. Uh, they lit up this Boston team, five goals, Seth Jarvis, Nino Niederreiter, Turvo Teravainen, and Vincent Trocek, and then with Svechnikov getting the empty netter late in the game. Carolina, they played a, a full solid game. Uh, there's not much else to say. Uh, uh, Taylor Hall was the only guy that scored for Boston. Boston, they looked kind of, I mean, they started out well. I was watching the beginning of this game. They 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 came out fast, but then Carolina just kind of controlled the like most of the game after that, and they just didn't let Boston do anything. So, um, yeah, I definitely think Boston, they probably will come out better for game two. Uh, but, yeah, Carolina... I mean, they didn't even have their starting goalie and they got the win here and, and they dominated. So, um, yeah, I think that this this series, uh, I hope it's not done early, but Carolina is really uh, looking like a really solid team right now. Well, I guess knowing Boston, they're a pretty storied franchise, um, I guess, in multiple sports and in hockey as well. So they probably know what to do to adjust and to bounce back. Looking at game two, it's going to be at the Hurricanes home again. So um, I guess Boston may have to dig deep, but do you think they can get an upset here? I think that they can. Uh, I feel like that uh, they're definitely going to adjust. That's one thing that Boston does in the playoffs is they adjust pretty well. So they're also going to make a goaltending change. Most likely Jeremy Swayman will be the goalie instead of Linus Olmark. I know a lot of Boston fans were complaining when Swayman didn't get the start in this game as they sort of consider him their goalie of the future. And they think he's the better of the two. So yeah, I agree. Give Swayman a shot. And I think that he should be able to play pretty well. Should be able to give them that boost that they need. So yeah, maybe I'll take Boston in game two. Okay. And uh, moving on to the next series we have, the Rangers against the Penguins. So uh, what are your thoughts on this series so far? As we're recording, this game is in triple overtime. So they're in the sixth period, which means the sixth hour of the game. This is actually insane. I don't know how this is happening right now. What is it? Like four consecutive periods with no goals. That's that's pretty insane. Like uh, I think, yeah, Adam Fox uh, scored for the Rangers in the first period. Then Andrew Kopp and Chris Kreider both scored for the Rangers in the second period, while Gensel had two for Pittsburgh and Rust had one. All those were in the second period. Third period had no goals. First overtime, no goals. Second overtime, no goals. And it's currently in the third overtime, and there's no goals so far. So, yeah, I I don't know what else to say. This, this series is interesting. Uh, I have no idea um, – why Pittsburgh has swapped their goalies. Maybe there was an injury of some sort because it looks like Louis Domingue is in instead of Casey DeSmith. Uh, so they're now down to their third string goalie. Um, yeah, that, this is going to be interesting actually to to sort of see uh, what's going on with that. Uh, Domingue looks like he's played well so far, 14 saves since coming in relief. So 
Um, yeah, I'm not sure what the situation is. Uh, I'm not currently viewing the game. I was viewing it a little bit earlier, but um, yeah, the series is as tight as it gets. Um, and I know you're probably going to ask for next game. Honestly, whoever wins this game will probably have momentum heading into next game. So um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I know the Rangers will be at home again, so you might lean with them. But um, honestly, this this game's a coin flip. This entire series is a coin flip the way it's looked. Yeah, it's been uh, really impressive just seeing how these two teams can uh, basically skate a marathon spin when six hours, he said. So that's uh, really impressive for both teams. So I think this could end up being one of the best series uh, this playoffs. Yeah, I definitely agree. It's the two and three seeds in the Metro division. So they were close to each other in points anyways. Um, their division rivals. Yeah, it's going to be a close series for sure. Sure. And I guess starting off with the West, we have Colorado versus the Nashville Predators. Uh, give us your thoughts on the series so far. Yeah, this series uh, is in the middle of game one. And as we're recording, it's the end of the second period. And the Colorado's up six to one. The series is not even close right now, considering Nashville's starting goalie UC Saros is injured heading into the series. So they're, I don't know uh, which goalies have played in this game. Let me just take a look. Um, so for Nashville, um, I believe both of their goalies did play. I think Riddick got yanked after the, allowing the first five goals. And then Connor Ingram came in and he allowed one goal. So not looking good for the Predators right now being without their starting goalie. It looks like he's going to miss the first two games in Colorado at least, if not more. This could end up being a sweep. It's six to one right now. Um, McKinnon, McKinnon scored for them. Devon Taves, Andrew Cogliano, Kale McCarr, Arturi Lekkinen, and Gabriel Landeskog, who is back healthy. They all scored. And then Matt Duchesne just added one recently to sort of make it, uh, to sort of break the shutout at this point. Yeah, it's not even going to make it close. Um, yeah, I'm predicting a sweep. So if you're asking me about game two, I'm going to say Colorado again. I guess it's just kind of unfortunate for Nashville because uh, Colorado has a really crazy offense. So, I mean, hopefully that at least they at least push it to five. But it looks like uh, Colorado is going to be taking the series. Yeah, I think every game that they play without Saros is probably going to be a loss for the Predators because he, when he plays, he's pretty much one of their difference makers. But uh, yeah, they don't have a starting goalie right now. And I guess uh, moving on to probably a closer series, we have Minnesota versus St. Louis. Uh, give us your thoughts on that. Well, I mean, it could have been closer, but the game one didn't even look close. Uh, these two teams, similar records to each other, but St. Louis just dominated 4 nothing win in game one. I watched pretty much the whole game of this one. And yeah, St. Louis, they rolled four lines and they just dominated. Uh, David Perron had a hat trick. Ryan O'Reilly had a goal. Marc-Andre Fleury was clearly the best player for Minnesota as the rest of the team just really didn't look like they had uh, it to sort of compete with St. Louis. Um, yeah, if Minnesota doesn't turn things around and make adjustments for game two, I think that this series will be over in quick fashion considering like Minnesota did have the better record in the regular season, but St. Louis still beat them all three times in the regular season and once now in the playoffs. So, yeah, uh, I don't know what Minnesota needs to do, but they definitely need to do something to turn things around. Well, 
they do have another chance in game two. It's going to be at Minnesota's home. So uh, do you think they'll be able to get a win? I want to say they will, uh, just because um, I feel like that they have to make some sort of adjustments. Uh, my only question that's raised is like they don't have as much depth as St. Louis, in my opinion. So they could end up like getting like the, the game could end up being close and then St. Louis could maybe find a way to win it late. Um, I guess if they start Marc-Andre Fleury, I feel like that he'll sort of be able to shut the door again and they can sort of bounce back. If they change goalies, then maybe I might lean towards St. Louis. So yeah, right now I'm kind of liking Minnesota at home for game two. All right. And uh, moving on to Calgary versus Dallas. It's been a really good season for Calgary so far, but what are your thoughts on the series? Okay, so the series, uh, game one's currently underway. The Flames are up 1-0. Elias Lindholm scored in the first period. Um, the game's currently in the middle of the second period as we're recording. Um, yeah, I think that a lot of people think the Flames are going to be a powerhouse, but I think Dallas can keep up with him. Uh, with them. Dallas did beat them two years ago in the playoffs, so I think that they're definitely solid enough to do that. Um, I do think Calgary will win the series, though, and I think that they will hold on to win game one. Um, so yeah, game two, uh, yeah, I think I like Calgary in both game one and game two. They, they just seem like the better team. Dallas should be able to take at least one when they go back home. But um, yeah, I think Calgary, I would give them the edge over Dallas for sure. For sure. And I guess uh, moving on to, I think this could end up being another really close series, um, the Oilers and the Kings. Uh, what are your thoughts on the series so far? Yeah, my thoughts on the series so far is that the Oilers, they just, they didn't really look as good as I thought that they would look heading into the series. It seemed like most of their offense was generated when McDavid was on the ice and then the Kings pretty much dominated the rest. Um, and yeah, the goal, the, the goalie mishap that Mike Smith did giving the puck away and then it ended up being the game winning goal. Uh, yeah, it, it, it just didn't look good. Uh, the Kings had Trevor Moore, Alex Iafalo, Brendan Lemieux, and then Philip Deneau, who got that goal from the giveaway. And then for the Oilers, it was pretty much uh, Connor McDavid, Kyler Yamamoto, and Leon Dreisaitl. Um, yeah, at that point, um, yeah, the Kings, uh, they looked like the better team. Considering they have all these injuries, they just had a good system, in my opinion. That's what they did in this game, and they just outplayed Edmonton. Edmonton had all these chances. They couldn't beat Jonathan Quick. He looked like a phenomenal goalie in this game. Uh, yeah, the Oilers, they got to find a way to bounce back because, uh, yeah, it didn't end well in this game. Well, they do have a chance in game two. It's going to be in Edmonton again. Um, I mean, they do have a really good offense. And the one man fast break himself, Connor McDavid. They do have a really good offense in general. So, uh, do you think they can generate enough offense to win? They have to. I mean, this is pretty much must win for Edmonton. I'm going to pick them. But yeah, if the Kings win this, I think the series is probably going to be done because they should. They they will probably have it all figured out how to shut down this Oilers offense. So Oilers just need to go and they need to score first. That was the issue that they didn't do. They allowed the Kings to sort of take the lead every time instead of setting the tone themselves. So um, yeah, that, that's what the Oilers need to change. And yeah, I think they can win game two. I, I think the game one, they were sort of, you know, just feeling out this Kings team, but I definitely think that the Oilers offense should be able to exploit them in the next game. 
is uh, that about looks like all the uh, playoff games so far for the NHL. And, uh, what are your final thoughts? Yeah, the playoffs has been crazy. We mentioned how physical it's been. There are a bunch of fines, a bunch of suspensions handed out after just day one of the playoffs. I think like four players got fined. Uh, one or two guys got suspended. It was like, yeah, teams went crazy. There were brawls. Like in the Toronto-Tampa game, there was. The St. Louis-Minnesota game, there was a lot of fighting in it. Um, yeah, the other two games weren't as bad. But yeah, uh, a lot of... Um, yeah, just physical play. Um, and yeah, I mean, uh, it's great hockey. I definitely uh, want to see if it keeps up. And then, yeah, I guess last thought. So hopefully Toronto can get it done in game two. I'll definitely be cheering them on for sure. For sure. And I guess I'll also be hoping that uh, Toronto somehow, uh, I guess, gets a win against Tampa Bay because I think Toronto, they've also had a pretty long playoff drought. So It'd be nice to see if they can snap the playoff drought. Uh, it'd be nice to see how far a team like Florida goes or even the New York Rangers because uh, those teams haven't really made it too far in the playoffs. So it'd be nice to see some teams that haven't, uh, I guess, gotten their chance to make a deep run to make their run. I feel like um, this could be um, the playoffs where we could see some I guess some interesting upsets or some teams that we don't expect to make a run to make a run. So yeah, hopefully that happens this year. Yeah, I definitely agree. And uh, just an update, the Pittsburgh game finally ended in triple overtime. The Penguins did end up beating the New York Rangers four to three. Evgeny Malkin scored uh, five minutes into that third overtime period. So long game. The Penguins do get the upset win against the Rangers. Uh, we'll definitely see how the Rangers respond. Uh, I definitely think they can respond and they should uh, play uh, a good solid game for game two. So I, I'll definitely lean with the Rangers there. Yeah, I feel like uh, it's hopefully not going to be another marathon game, but if it is, then I guess at least you'll get your money's worth. Yeah, for sure. I think Pittsburgh, they had the sort of playoff experience that you needed to go into these long games. So I think that's why they were able to pull this one out. Uh, I guess for the Oilers, hopefully they'll be able to get a deep run as well. Yeah, it's been a long time for them, so hopefully McDavid can sort of get something done in the playoffs. Yeah, and uh, that's about it for this week on Everything NHL and the Fantasy Fanatics podcast. If you liked what you watched, you can subscribe, hit the bell for notifications, give us a like, give us a review, um, give us your thoughts on any of the sports either nhl nfl or the nba um if you like what you listen to you can follow us on spotify you can also follow us on apple music and google podcast and if you need some sports picks you can follow us on fan fan podcast on both twitter and instagram and we'll see you guys next week